welcome to mini episode number... Dunno, eight, seven. Five? Five. Six! Six. Six. I literally have it written in front of me. I don't know why okay. I, that was such a big deal. At least we can show we can count. That is true. We haven't done that for a while. Yes. If you can hear some sort of engine rumbling in the background of this episode, <laughs> it isn't. It's actually Bim. Bim has decided to set up camp next to her food bowl and she's just sitting, staring, pretending that she hasn't eaten in days. She has. But she does every morning. She's just been fed. Okay, so would you like some stories? Depends. If they're all about dolls, no. No, actually. We're not We're not sticking with the doll theme for the listener stories. Good. I thought but you I, might have fished through all the uh, listener stories to find just the Just to doll find ones. doll ones. But I do have three stories for you today. Okay. The last time we did a listener's episode, it was really unnerving. Yeah, we were really freaked out. Mm. It's probably going to be quite similar today actually <sighs> story number one comes from chloe i'm going to start by giving you some background about the area and the place that i grew up in i live in a very small market town in lincolnshire england it's a lovely town and has a lot of history in 1990 my parents found out that they were expecting a second child at this point they already had my five-year-old sister and lived in a very small house in the council estate of the town. Since they already knew everyone in the estate, they decided to move to a house a few doors down for more room for me and my sister. So we moved into the middle of the street and my family was prepared for me to come along. Nothing seemed off about the house. No strange energy and no atmosphere. My mum used to hear the odd tapping noises, but she just put it down to the house being lived in. One night... That changed. At this point I was two weeks old. In the living room I had my Moses basket in the corner where my parents left me sleeping. It was around 6pm and my sister and parents were in the kitchen sorting some tea out, having the usual conversations. I was a very quiet baby according to my parents. So what happened next moved them like lightning. As they were sitting down they heard the most almighty high-pitched screams and squeals. My mum said she can still hear it in her head if she thinks about it. They ran into the living room, which was only around four feet away from the kitchen, and went straight to my basket to find that I wasn't in it. Oh no. I was being held up in a corner of the ceiling above my basket, and was dropped back in as my parents watched in terror. My mum years later told me that all she could feel was numb, and could not explain what had happened. My dad still doesn't talk about what happened that night to this day. This was the first event in a whole string of things to come. But I'll only tell you some of the best ones, as this is long already. When I was around three years old, my sister was turning eight and my mum worked night shifts at the local factory. So did my dad, but they took it in turns to look after us. One night, my sister and I were playing in our bedroom as usual, and my dad was downstairs just about to watch a film that he had rented from the video shop. As he settled down and pressed play, My sister and I stopped playing and could hear the opening to the film being played loudly coming from within our bedroom. We didn't have a TV in our room, so we couldn't understand where the sound was coming from. My sister went to get my dad and he was angry because he thought the TV downstairs was bust. My sister told him to leave it and come upstairs. The sound was still coming out of our bedroom. My dad turned the whole thing off and went to bed. As me and my sister were getting older, things were getting stranger. 
or maybe I just understood what was happening around me more. There were twin girls next door, near my sister's age of nine. One night we decided to have a sleepover on our bunk beds with my sister on the top bunk with one of the twins and me on the bottom bunk with the other twin. We did the usual 90s sleepover stuff, then called it a night. We turned the lights off and around 10 minutes later we heard a rustling in the corner of the room. My sister and I ignored it. We always heard stuff. But the twins were getting freaked out and wanted to put the lights on, so we did. In the corner of the room, we had a big red bag full of Barbie dolls and other toys. The rustling stopped, so we left the light on and tried to sleep once again, until my friend and I felt something land on the end of our bed. As we looked down to where our feet were, we could see a Barbie laying there. I was just about to say something to let my sister know, but the whole bag of dolls was being launched at us one by one. You said there were no dolls in these stories. I lied. Why? It was the most surreal thing I've ever seen. We froze, terrified, until it stopped, and my sister was brave enough to run and get my parents. And to this day, I still think about it. There were so many things that happened in that house when I was growing up, but these are my personal favourite ones. The twins never came around again, and as we've gotten older, we've lost contact, but I hope they still remember it. My mum's sister now lives in the house with her dog and tells me all the things she's heard and seen. And it's nice that I sometimes go around and see her there, but only if I'm feeling brave. They're really unusual happenings. Right. So we've got right. a levitating so is it like baby. Levitating baby, TV in the bedroom that isn't in the bedroom, yeah. and then Barbies. Like that whole TV thing sounds like some sort of weird portal I sitch. feel like sometimes that stuff happens though. What do you, like... What do you mean? Like unexplained occurrences with like weird things like that. Probably it is paranormal, but I don't feel like it's ghosts. I feel like it's it's like paranormal science. Does that make sense? Yeah, like it's uh, scientific that we just don't know about yeah. yet. Because I feel was... like I've heard a story similar to that before, but not in terms of haunting, just like unexplained transference of sound. But it's the combination of that, of levitating baby and Barbie missiles. Barbie missiles are an effective way. If anybody wanted to defeat you, <laughs> if you were like a superhero, your kryptonite would be Barbie missiles. Yeah. They're so weird though. They're like, you know, like, often we get like haunting stories where you're like, that is really freaky. I don't, I, I don't feel unnerved by this because it's freaky. I feel unnerved by it because it's so unusual. So, so weird. If it was a modern story, like if she was telling this story like from the modern age, then the sound one could be explainable because there's loads of there's loads of things you can technology, do on your phone, like turn yeah. off programs in the middle of me watching them and stuff like that from upstairs. Dan is saying that <laughs> passive aggressively because for you some reason, time. <laughs> when we cast from our phones to the TV, my phone always overrides everything, and I regularly accidentally turn off whatever TV show that he's watching <laughs> when I'm upstairs. Which must be very annoying, but I'm sorry. It's normally at pivotal moments in football games, so I don't. I'm not buying this accidentally line. How do I know there to be pivotal moments <laughs> you in football the sound games? From downstairs. Oh, I see. Um, but yeah, it's just a combination of the three. Like, what is lifting that baby out of the? Oh yeah, that is dark. And I and I, the the type of stories where somebody says, and my parents like never spoke about it again or refuse to speak about it to this day. Like that's real fear. Yeah, that's not you know. When some people tell a story over and over again and almost becomes like an urban legend within the family. Yeah. 
But one of those stories where it's like, and dad has refused to speak about it forevermore really unnerves me. Yeah. I feel like that a bit as well. But I'd be crying about it if I saw it. Everybody would know about it because I'd be in the corner crying. Or you'd be out on the street refusing to go back into the house wailing. Yeah. Are you ready for another story? Yeah. Now this story is anonymous because the person who wrote this story has a very particular job that they didn't want to reveal. Are you ready? Huh? An astronaut. Are you ready? Oh my word. I work in a paediatric intensive care unit in a hospital that was established in the late 1800s. Before I begin my story, it's important to give you some perspective into what our unit looks like. First of all, our unit is a locked unit, meaning you need an electronic badge to get into it, and visitors must be let in by staff. There is the main part of the unit, and then within the unit there is a smaller unit with four rooms reserved for kids who have had organ transplants or are part of the haematology oncology population and must be isolated from other patients to prevent them from becoming ill. This part of the unit is separated from the others by a set of large industrial doors without windows. Nurses on our unit have between one and two patients, depending on acuity. And if the four-room unit in the back isn't full, it isn't uncommon for only one nurse to be staffed back there. There is also a community playroom within this smaller unit. I'd been working on the unit for a few months and was a new nurse. On one particular night shift, I was the only nurse staffed in the small back unit. I had two patients, meaning only two of the four rooms were filled. Parents often chose to room in with their children or they opt to stay in a select few special rooms within the hospital reserved for parents. That night, I had one room with a parent rooming in and one without. I was sitting alone at the nursing desk in the centre of the unit. It was about midnight when the mother of one of my patients approached the desk. She looked angry. I asked if everything was okay and she asked me if I was aware that another patient had been out of bed had entered her daughter's room and had been playing with her daughter's toys in the corner of the room. She said the girl was about five years old with curly brown hair and was wearing her hospital gown. I assured her I would look into it and that it probably was a patient or the sibling of a patient who had been trying to find the playroom and accidentally entered their room. I rounded on my second patient, a 12-year-old male, before I planned to stop at the charge nurse's desk in the main unit to report the mother's complaint. I woke him up to complete his assessment as usual. He told me he had woken up earlier in the night to see another patient sitting in the chair in the corner of his room. He too went on to describe the same young girl. I checked the playroom and the two empty patient rooms, finding nothing. I reported the incident to the charge nurse, who told me that the only siblings currently rooming on the unit were male and were those of one of our patients who was African-American. I logged onto the computer and looked at the patient list on the general paediatric unit. No females around that age. And even if there were, it would have been nearly impossible to enter our secure unit. At around three in the morning, the call light in one of the empty rooms went off. No one was there when I responded, and the room was freezing cold. I was spooked. But since then, I haven't seen or heard any complaints of the girl. Maybe it was another patient from another unit, or a sibling, and we just didn't catch it. Or maybe it was the ghost of a former patient. I don't know. 
but I do know that I hate being staffed in that back unit alone on the night shift. I would hate it too. Do not need creepy little girls running around in the middle of the night. Oh, she doesn't sound creepy though. Bless her. That's not a very fair assessment. You don't know her. You don't know what she's it's been through. a little through. girl running around in the night. It's creepy. Can I just say, before we continue our <clears throat> dissection of this story, Anonymous, the work you do is incredible. I don't know how anybody works in paediatrics, especially in oncology or hematology or anything like that. And I think what you do is incredible. Because that's, that's some serious, serious emotional work that you're doing. Absolutely. But you're also entertaining for the podcast reasons. So, you are a nurse in the middle of the night and you, you have a feeling that there's a little ghost girl running around your ward. What do you do? Practice my drop kicks. On unwitting children around yes. the ward. <laughs> You drop kick a child thinking it's a ghost and a mother appears screaming, my baby, why did you do that? (laughs) I set up a trap, a very elaborate ghost trap in the vein of the famous board game Mousetrap, whereby when a ghost enters a room, it triggers a marble, which runs through a series of contraptions until the ghost is caught under a large cage. (laughs) The only surefire way to, way to catch ghosts, as Absolutely. we all know. Absolutely. I've already sent my patent to it, to Bagans. You know, Dan's currently obsessed with watching ghost hunting videos on YouTube. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Every video he watches, I'm like, where have you gotten this? And he's like, Matt said it to me. And I really feel like they're obviously missing a trick if what they need is a mousetrap style contraption. Absolutely. They're here with their like EVF... E- EVP EVP stuff their EMF readers like all these mad things all they need is a big mousetrap style contraption it's a darn sight better than a stupid music box contraption (laughs) one of the paranormal investigating teams have a music box like an old school a ballerina pops up spins around jewellery box music box and that's how they communicate with ghosts for some reason set off with a trigger and but it's the it's most so annoying thing I've ever heard. It's so frustrating. To the point where I was watching a video when Emma was falling asleep last night and I clicked on the next video and it started with that music box sound and she just looked at me and went, mm. well, I don't remember that. <laughs> I feel like that didn't happen. It did. Are you ready for another story? Uh, well, so far, you have, I asked very nicely whether this was about dolls and you said no and you've given me dolls and a creepy girl. So my answer to that question is no more stories. Story number three comes from Mm. Chrissy. I would like to thank Chrissy as well. Uh, Chrissy did the research for this week's episode, which the the, the content of which I'm not going to tell you about, but I would never would have known about this case if it wasn't for her. She sent me a load of research notes on it and it inspired this week's episode. So thank you, Chrissy, you little star. Don't they know what this week's episode was? No, this week's episode coming. Oh. As in Sunday's episode. (laughs) Oh, that makes sense. I'm a strange mix of believer and sceptic. I believe in ghosts and things we can't explain. But I also believe Zach Bagans and his fuckery can piss right off. Especially because shows like Ghost Adventures always seem to think ghosts are most active at night, as though they're a bunch of raccoons. The house I grew up in is haunted. Our ghosts certainly don't operate on a time schedule. I say ghosts and not ghost because it seems we have more than one. I'm not sure if they're attached to the house, or to us, or both. When I was little, 
our house was almost always being renovated, which I think is what caused the bulk of the activity. In the middle of the day, you would be upstairs and hear voices chatting and laughing in the kitchen, which was quite normal as people would often drop by in the farm and have coffee and chat in the kitchen with parents while they took a break. Only lots of times, no matter what the time of day, you would run down to see who was there and the kitchen would be quiet and empty. You would look outside and no one would be there either. You could try to write that off, but our farm was on roughly 200 acres and our closest neighbours were across the road from us quite some distance away. If they were outside talking, you wouldn't have been able to hear it inside the house. It wasn't as though my folks could come and go in the house without being noticed either. There were, at the time, two sets of doors you would have to open to get into the house in the first place, and every path away from them is such that you'd be able to see anyone who left. This happened a lot. My mum used to get really vexed because she would sleep in or be upstairs doing laundry and then she'd hear the voices. Think dad was downstairs with a neighbour. In Canadian rural areas, we tend to call everyone who lives in the general area a neighbour. She would rush to make herself presentable and run downstairs only to discover it was the ghosts again. Other things would happen occasionally. Footsteps upstairs when no one was up there or thumps. A feeling you were being watched when no one was home or when you went upstairs. Once when I was eight years old, I was in the living room watching TV while my parents were milking. I was very excited because it was rare that I got to watch what I wanted to watch. The only time I could was when it was my night to do house chores instead of barn chores. Suddenly, I got this weird instinct to look at the door that led from the living room to the hallway and upstairs. The door was perpetually open and only closed if someone was upstairs trying to sleep. It's a wooden door with glass panels. And as I looked over to the doorway, no sooner did I turn my head to look at it than the door slammed shut so hard that I thought the glass would shatter. I was in shock for a moment before the doorknob began to turn ever so slightly. Like any sensible eight-year-old, I ran screaming. I tore out of the house jumped on my bike outside and pedalled to the barn before running to the milk house in tears and throwing my arms around my mum while profusely refusing to ever go back into the house. My parents told me it was probably a draft and that the house had been blessed by a priest before they'd moved in, so it wasn't as though anything bad could be in there. Dad doesn't believe in ghosts, although over 30 years of living in that house is finally starting to make him admit that he can't explain some of the things he's experienced there. So he told me, It was just my imagination. Years later, Mum admitted that she also believes the house is haunted and that she and Dad agreed the door slamming couldn't possibly have been a draft or wind because not only were all the windows in the house closed, but there are no vents near the door and the way the air flows in our house, it would be impossible for it to slam that particular door shut. Nothing that terrifying happened again. Mum later admitted that not knowing what else to do, she chastised the house for scaring me and told it that she wouldn't have it. I think she also may have asked her late mother, my Granny Carol, to keep things under control. Granny Carol, years later, would pull her own inadvertently terrifying ghostly thing, but that's another story for another day. The amount of activity in the house is less than it was when we were renovating. You still hear the people in the kitchen every so often. Things randomly go missing and appear in different spots. And there have been some phantom smells, cigarette smoke and once a full roast. 
that even my non-believing dad admits he has experienced, and that's about it. Last Easter, a door slid open in front of me and closed again when I jokingly thanked the ghost, but explained I was headed the other way and could they please close the door. But it closed softly. I'm 30 now and it was daylight. So overall, much improved from that traumatic childhood moment. Ghosts in the day. They obviously are active in the day, but it, I just like, I understand why they do stuff at night because it's just more atmospheric, isn't it? When I saw a ghost, it was daytime. Yeah. Weird, isn't it? Wasn't any less fucking frightening, let me tell you. It's like that milkman that I saw in Canterbury. You did not see a milkman in Canterbury. Why are you so obsessed with <laughs> this milkman? It's not a ghost, it's a real person. I don't know. I, nobody else that we've spoken to has ever seen this person. It's real. Um, I'm sure it is. Uh, I was going to say something about this. Oh, I quite like the idea of if, you know, if you are going to be haunted and get ghostly smells, the ghostly smell of a roast dinner is a pretty good haunting. I'm I'd down say. with that because yeah. usually it's like sulfur. Yeah. You know, it's like rotten flesh and eggs yeah. and bleh. Roast dinner, give yeah, it to me. I'm absolutely. down with that. Imagine. They see these, like these ghosts are ghosts, but they sound all right. They seem decent. Yeah, like opening and closing doors for them. And, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be down with it in the long run. Because <laughs> it creep me out. I honestly think you'd just get used to it. I think you'd get to a point where you're like, this is just a part of my life. I mean, it'd be quite handy if they like did some chores for you. Oh, if you left the washing out and they also, folded it and put it away, that'd be amazing. Chris's, Chris's story made me feel very privileged as a child only to have one chores and not barn chores as well. Yeah, living on a farm <laughs> growing up must be like, oh. Yeah, I'm grateful for just having house chores and not barn chores as well. Yeah, that must have been really annoying. Yeah. I just, yeah, oh, banging and opening the doors, footsteps. But the smell is the thing that stuck with me, I think, with that. Why? Well, just because it's a roast dinner? Yeah, just imagine it. Like, of all the ghostly smells you could have, do you reckon ghosts have BO? Probably not. Hmm. Oh, because they don't have a body. <laughs> they don't have a body, first of all. And I guess, but I guess sort of banging around the house and slamming doors probably does work up a sweat. Yeah. But I can imagine they probably don't. I mean, cigarette smoke is an interesting one, because if you're not a smoker, the smell of cigarette smoke in your house suddenly is would yeah, be really strong and really distinctive. Yeah. And I would blame you in this house. I know, but I don't but smoke in the Yeah, house. that's what I mean. Like, at first I'd blame you. And then I'd be like, oh my word. Oh my God, she hasn't smoked in the house at all. Oh my <gasps> word. I'd be like, Bimmy, put Bimmy, them put cigarettes them. away. <laughs> Thanks, Chrissy. That was a bit of a nicer, well, not nicer, but a bit more positive. If you enjoyed this week's listeners episode, you can find us on Instagram at Real Life Ghost Stories. You can find Dan on Instagram. At 50p Movie Club, new 50p Movie Club coming soon. You can find us on Facebook, Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast. Give our page a like and join our Facebook group, which is RLGS Supergroup. The password is Emma and Dan and Tiny Beams, if you're feeling inclined. <laughs> you can send us your stories to Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Real Ghost Pod. You can support us on Patreon patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories where for either two dollars or five dollars a month you get lots of bonus extra content boom and on that note we shall see you next week bye